welcome to this special trade deadline edition of the Daz and Daz podcast. Uh, Darren Hills join me. We're going to punch out some of these uh, during our lunch break today. How are you, Darren? Yeah, good. I'm feeling special. Okay, well, let's go straight into talking. What we want to do is touch on some of the trades that have already happened and then look at some of the potential trades that may happen and I guess get your gauge, Darren, on the value of certain players and what your likelihood you think there is that they're going to move. Uh, the first trade I want to talk about was the one that happened yesterday. That was uh, Lou Williams going to the Houston Rockets for a first-round pick and Corey Brewer. Uh, nice haul for Magic Johnson uh, as his first first move with the organisation, uh, and we sort of we spoke on the whole Magic Lakers thing a couple of weeks ago. Oh, sorry, a couple of podcasts ago. So I didn't want to touch on that so much again. I wanted to look more today at the Rockets' point of view because what what are your thoughts here? I mean, is this the Rockets just saying we're now all in on offense, and such is the D'Antoni way? Defense we don't even worry about. Or there are stories there in the market for a defensive player uh, to try and help that defence. Because there's still some good individual defenders on the team, so there's no reason they, they should fall away. But, gee, if you're going to have Lou Williams and Eric Gordon and James Harden on the court at the same time, Ryan Anderson, these sort of players, uh, you're not going to be playing great defence. But where do you see that trade landing for Houston? I love it. I absolutely love it for Houston. I didn't see this one coming, which is even better. They needed another perimeter guy, and I go, what a perfect what a perfect fit. The guy's having a career year. He's on a cheap deal. Um, you know, a veteran guy. Uh, he'll take no time fitting in. So I, I love it from Houston's perspective. I just think it's a natural a natural fit to make the bench even better. Heck, he might even nudge the starting lineup. The interesting thing, the one wrinkle for this is, what's that do for a guy like Patrick Beverly? I thought was meshing in pretty well and can play some defense. So I'm wondering, because I could imagine with Harden with the ball in his hand, Lou is going to be a much better off-ball player, I think, than it's much more better spot up than Beverly. So that's my only kind of wrinkle. It's not really a negative. It's creating a nice problem with depth, but does it make Patrick Beverly more available? Um, that's what they had. Well, there it. was talk of a Patrick Beverly for Iman Shumpert trade. Uh, so that would have been a fascinating thing because LeBron gets his playmaker, they get a bit more defence, uh, but the Cavs have since come out and said that Shump's not on the block, but uh, that was a, a trade that sort of piqued my interest because I thought they asked, they, they've obviously recognised, yes, we've now got even better on the scoring end, but we may very well need some help on the wing defensively. And obviously, Shumpert fits that mould. So I don't know that, that Houston necessarily finished dealing right now. But I, I agree with you. I, I love. I mean, I think the offensive ceiling for this team now is they can potentially go toe to toe with the Warriors just on the offensive end. There, the Warriors are clearly a better defensive team um, than what the Rockets are. But I think it's it's certainly improve. Any trade you want to do, you want to try and improve your team. You know, a first-round pick, it's not going to be obviously a high first-round pick, you know, the late 20s uh, thereabouts. So from Houston's point of view, low risk, love the trade. I think it does make them better in the short term. Uh, the other trade, that, and this is a team that we spoke about uh, probably, what was it, two weeks ago, I think the Washington Wizards, they've traded for Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, they've also given up, and there was a couple of throw-in players there, but they've also given up a first-round pick. 
and like this, like the first trade, I like it for both sides. I think obviously the Nets, they need to start collecting draft assets given their precarious position at the moment. And I think Bogdanovich helps uh, the Wizards bench. You've now got Bogdanovich, uh, um, Kelly Oubre and uh, Jan Mahimi and even Javier Smith. Them, they're the players on that bench now, and that's that's sort of an eight, nine man rotation. It's still not setting the world on fire, but at least now you've sort of said, well, now we've got some actual NBA players coming off the bench, and obviously Bogdanovich, I think, becomes the best player off their bench. But how did you see that trade shaking out for, from the Wizards' point of view, more so than the Nets? Hate it. Absolutely don't understand it. Looks like an idiot. Ernie Grunfeld caught me by surprise. Don't understand it at all. An expiring contract with Bodanovich. He's an okay player. He's shooting, what, 35%. They you know, could use some front court depth. But I just waited to the first pick with Lou Williams, right? What I think has happened, I have to probably look at the you know, tankathon, but the prospect of the 17 draft being so rich means there's going to be a lot of flow picks. So kind of almost everyone in the playoff race or close to it who wants to better their team, I think these picks are all going to go. So Indiana wants to ship theirs, Houston shipped theirs, um, right? Wizards have shipped theirs. But I go, that's the best you could get for your first rounder. And okay, I think, again, just looks so Ernie Grunfeld. Like how he still has a job blows my mind. He's got, what did I, that the, now that um, Kupchak is gone, he's got the third or fourth longest tenure of all GMs. Third, yeah, third. And, doesn't, and he's the only one of the four that doesn't have a ring. Mm. And I go, here you go. Here's a perfect reason. They get 25 games of Bojan Bogdanovic, who's struggling to get minutes with the Nets. The Nets. I, 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 for as much as I love the natural fit on both sides of the um, uh, of the Lou Williams trade, this this is a great trade for the Nets. That's great. It's not going to. It's not franchise altering. It's a smart trade for the Nets. Really, really smart. And the, I go if the big thing here was offloading Andrew Nicholson's. Six million a year. That seems to be the motivating factor, right? As much as this kind of, so I go. That's what that's what Grunfeld's done. He sold his bench short. He sold the return short by attaching Andrew Nicholson's contract to it. Eat Nicholson's contract or stretch it with something, and use your first round pick to get something like a Lou Williams, not a Bogdanovich. So I hate it. I hate it on every level for Washington. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bob's better than the tallest dwarf there, but. Is he going to have space next to Jay Smith? <laughs> We've done this before. <laughs> Whoever, again, these clowns who play on Washington second unit. So am I? Oh, I'm going to take a little bit of a different clear? view. I'll make two points about this. The first is we, we only heard, I think it was last year, everyone saying, look, no one trades first-round draft picks anymore. They just don't get traded in the NBA. And now we're seeing nearly every single trade is including a first-round draft pick. In, in what is an absolutely stacked draft. We've already seen the Cavs have traded one away, the Houston have traded one away, now Washington. We've seen Memphis's that went to Toronto. That's been traded away. So there's been a lot of first-round draft picks being moved around, which I find absolutely fascinating. The other thing, I'll make a prediction now. I think Sean Marks is going to hit a home run with one of these picks in the next couple of years at the Nets. Uh, he already tried it with uh, Levert, I think it is. Uh, he's actually been okay, but... I think they're the sort of players, like guys that were highly touted in high school, maybe got injuries, didn't work out quite in college. He's going to be swinging for home runs with these 20 to 30 picks that they're going to be picking up. And uh, I'll back him to succeed. I think he will do well there with one of those picks. 
And from the Wizards' point of view, I just I like the the trade in this sense. I think they're not going to be asking Bogdanovic to do anything that's out of his comfort zone. I think they're just going to, and, and that's all they need at the moment, just someone to come in, say, all right, you're going to give us some spot minutes here or there. Uh, I, I think it, with the Nets, and I haven't watched a lot of Nets, I don't like to torture myself too much, but the, the little bit I have seen in that, you just wonder, are they asking Bogdanovich to do too much? And it seems like one, one night he comes in and he scores 20, the next night Kilpatrick scores 20, and they're sort of using those guys as volume scorers. I don't think that's necessarily going to be his best asset. Maybe it's just a matter of he comes out, he's a spot-up shooter for some minutes uh, for the Wizards. I actually think this trade could turn out a bit better uh, in the short term than what what where you, you sort of sit with it, but I do agree, high price to pay for a guy that's really just solidifying your bench and for a salary dump. Of a, I'm just like, like I'm going to be redundant for it's the Ernie Grunfeld idiocy that as you could run through the list of every team in the playoffs, half the teams in the playoffs have traded the first round picks. They're flowing and the, the buying and selling is flowing because of the great draft. And I go, Grunfeld goes and has to dilute his return by stapling Andrew Nicholson to it. He doesn't have the courage or the conviction to actually help his team with a player better than Bogdanovich. That's my only point as I go. Keep Nicholson, shove him in the bench, stretch him, whatever, but get a better return. You got, you're getting a lot of sellers here, yeah. right, for players that you, you could have got better than Bogdanovich for the 24th pick. That's my only point. And so I think, I go, well, well, I think that leads us to the next trade, which this is where Atlanta, they haven't given up a first rounder, not that you would for Ilyasova. Uh, I think it's a, a pick swap in second rounders for uh, next year and their second round pick for this year. Uh, for Ilyasova and Thiago Splitter, who's injured, and I believe in the expiring contract, so that's pretty much just a write-off from Philly's point of view. Uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on Ersan. I've always rated Ersan Ilyasova, and I just think the guy has never, ever fell into the right situation. Um, I'm not sure Atlanta's necessarily the perfect situation for him, but I think he can do some value to Atlanta, uh, who are currently you know, in that sort of 4-5 range in the East. Uh, but how do you see that trade shaking out? I, mean, I don't think it's obviously a major one, but I, I think Ilyasova could could be some value for Atlanta. I, I'd have to look at Splitter's contract. I don't I don't have that up to my fingertips. I kind of go, yeah, I go. Just don't know what Atlanta's doing. So I don't mind it. And Ilyasova, right? He's a buck and grew up a box player, and he's had some. He's a nice, you know, stretchy-ish ball who can rebound and you know, do his best Manu Ginobili and take a charge. He's, he's great at that on the on the defensive end. So he's a great team player and is a streaky shooter. So he's a nice player. I just don't, I just don't know why Atlanta was doing it. Do you have splitters? Yeah, well, he, so he signed a four-year contract, uh, I think, the year before he got traded. So uh, next year it will be expiring. So he's Yeah, okay, so they got another year. Right, so I go, maybe that's part of the motivation. So, yeah, look, I, I think it's one of those, um, you know, B-minus for both sides. It's a, it's good for Ilyasova, right? He'll get, get in the playoffs and have some fun and be nice to get out of that environment. Um, and, you know, get in the playoffs, he's a good team guy. It's just sort of a – it's just one of those trades. Nothing – nothing. I think it's a nice fit for Atlanta. Um, and good on the Sixers for collecting yet another draft pick. Oh, right? more second-round draft picks. Just more second-rounders. So, yeah. That's what I, I wanted to lead that into. Makes sense. Well, yeah. I wanted to lead into a discussion on the Sixers because I've got a sort of view on the Sixers at the moment that I think 
now is, is the time where they might, might want to think about putting their chips in on the table and say, if we can secure a superstar or a really top-line player, now's the time to do it. And I've sort of been keeping one eye on Portland, thinking maybe they could make a godfather offer for CJ McCollum. I think McCollum would have been a perfect fit there. And I know Portland did have some interest in Okafor. Uh, obviously, you'd have to part with the Lakers pick, and maybe they could part with their own 2019 pick, because now they've got unprotected the Kings pick for 2019. And it certainly seems as if the Kings are going to be a pretty ordinary team for the next couple of years without going down that wormhole again and talking you reckon? about <laughs> that their, their franchise is in. So I think Philly are in a position where you say you can give the give the Lakers pick and the two, and their own 2019 first rounder plus Okafor and see what you can get for it. Um, now, is that enough to get a Jimmy Butler? I'm not sure. Um, I know the Bulls are, uh, are currently in discussions about Okafor anyway. Uh, but I, I would have thought they could have maybe made an offer like that to Portland uh, because they're sort of one player away now plus a, a, a couple of nice bits in the draft, which they can still get, from being a really, really top-line contender uh, for next season. Obviously not for this season, but certainly for next season. But I'm interested in your thoughts. I mean, wh- what should the Sixers be looking to do? Is it just move Okafor for whatever uh, or move Noel? or maybe see what they can package together and see if they can bring in one of these bigger-name players um, that have been touted, even a Paul George uh, from Indiana. Um, lots of questions in there. So let me start with the, what, what do I think Philly should do, which is they definitely need to clear their log jam at centre. They have to do that. Um, I'm actually finding it interesting that there seems to be more interest in Okafor than the well. And I, I don't understand that to be honest with you. I go in well, the market. I think it's a contract with... thing because Noel, no one is sure if Noel will re-sign with them in the off-season. That's my yeah, but yeah, but with the you know rights you know teams have at the at the minute, with whether he's he's going to be RFA right restricted. And that's pretty. Yes. I don't know if anyone's throwing massive money at a. Is it going to get Mozgov? Probably get Mozgov like money. I'm imagining there's going to be a lot less cap room, but. I don't see, again, the centers who can't score, you know. Um, anyways, he's the your defensive sort of anchor center. So I, I'm just surprised. You're probably right. It's probably contractual stuff. But just in terms of basketball product, I'm surprised. There seems to be more interest in Okafor than Noel. So that's just well, a general... from Philly's point of view, they're more interested in moving on from Okafor than they are from Noel too because I think they think... Noel and Embiid is a fit that they can live with, whereas Okafor and Embiid, they, they can't really see that working longer term. Yeah, I agree. So uh, what I think they should do is sell Okafor. I just can't believe they're getting... We'll see what sort of return or sort of offers they'll get. I'm not convinced he is going to get moved. I think his values is in that, you know, he's in the Greg Monroe category. We go, really nice player who's got an offensive skill set, but I want that player as my Ennis Cantor. That sort of back to the basket, you know, non-offensive facilitating, non-stretchy five. He's not even a great defender. He's a terrible rebounder. I got that. I want him as my sixth man. So I actually think his price is pretty, is pretty diminished. So, but I think that's what Philly will do. I think they will get something for him, um, and I like that. I'm not. I think it's going to take him another year or two days. I think before we can start throwing adjectives like you know contenders on them. But in in theory. Simmons, Sarge, Embiid, Noel, and 
if they manage to hold on to their pick uh, this year um, in a pretty decent draft, I go, that process is working. And I, I'm pretty confident that they'll, yeah, I think they'll hit on their picks as well. Unlike a, kind of like a Sean Marks, unlike Ernie Grunfeld, where I go, I sort of go, well, good on Ernie Grunfeld for training his picks because he can't draft for shit anyway. Well, Washington so, fans do say that they don't mind Ernie trading away draft picks because he always screws them up anyway. Correct. Um, so, but I think we, and Philly too, I mean, if you, if you wanted the best case scenario, they could be picking four and five in uh, next year's draft because if, if Sacramento completely <clears throat> fall off the map and fall right down to that five spot and the Lakers miss out on the top three, they get both of those picks. Uh, and, and you look at the draft board and you think, gee, if they could... Uh, they, and, they, and there's very good chance of picking two in the top ten. So if they can It's do that, very likely, yeah, because yeah. now, you know, Ilya Silva's not going to, you know, help them win games, so that's not a, actually a tank move, but it's not going to help them. But yeah, I still so you're feel right. like if you could get a, a superstar, and I, and I love McCollum for them, but Butler, obviously, he's he going to fit anywhere as well. If And I'm not, I don't know if that would be available, but I would <sighs> think if it's available... You've got to make that move uh, because, you know, Jimmy Butler's still only young as well. So if you throw him in, in the mix there, um, I agree with you, not a contender next year, but they're certainly moving up in, in their Eastern Conference standings. Well, well, that's why I think what's happening now is they'll do this. Uh, this is probably their only move. Maybe Okafor goes, gonna, could they get another first-rounder? Maybe they could get an 18 first-rounder for Okafor. I'd have to, I haven't really thought about logical landing spots for him. And then Chicago keeps getting bandied around. And Chicago's pick would be pretty attractive. That'll be, I don't know, 15 to 20. That'd be a pretty mm-hmm. decent um, 17 draft pick. And that would give them three of the top 20. Um, so I think the, if they deal Okafor, that'll be the end of it. They're definitely not going to go after a superstar because what they want to do is see how these ping pong balls fall out, right? And then, then they know what they have. So I want to see the draft lottery and have the draft go through. I see them more likely to deal around draft day than I do if they're in the mode of, get a superstar, which I haven't, I don't think now is the time to go after a Paul George or a, a Jimmy Butler, whomever in Philadelphia. Not right now. I just think it, it depends if they're available. And I, I guess my thinking clouded a bit by what's happened in Sacramento now and just thinking down the track and saying, we've we still actually got some really good draft assets. Even if we only part with the Lakers pick and our own pick in 2019, which hopefully by then you're a winning team and that's not an overly valuable pick either. So I don't think you're selling the farm. I, I just think now's the time where the price for them is essentially as low as it's going to be to maybe trade for a superstar. Whereas once the ping pong balls land, maybe then you go, well, you know, they're too valuable to me, or they're not valuable enough for what we're, we're looking for. So, but I think it's remind an interesting me, dynamic. Well, remind me, Daz, that this Lakers pick, it's top three protected this year. Top three protected if this year, does- unprotected the year after. Unprotected next year, right? Okay, that's what. I thought. Okay, yeah. So, so uh, a fair, fair point, fair point. And maybe it is as valuable today as it is before the ping pong balls land. Yeah, and, and but I, about... I still, I'm, I still think stay the course. You need to get Simmons healthy. You need to clip, fix your the logjam at center. Get Simmons on the court. Um, identify what your backcourt strategy is going to be with TJ McConnell and otherwise. And then I think there's a superstar play. That's what I would do. I'd probably be a little more cautious of knowing what I have first with my youngsters, but um, yeah, that's what I do. It's not but called uh, stay I'm not the Calendula. course. It's not called stay the course. It's called trust the process. It's trust the process. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. So, now, what about Jimmy Butler? I mean, what what 
what should his value be? I mean, if you, well, let's put yourself in the Celtics' shoes. Do you put your chips on the table now if you're the Celtics and say, Brooklyn pick, plus a throw-in, make some salaries work or whatever, straight up for Jimmy Butler? Gosh, I'm, I'm sort of feel like Bill Simmons for a second. I started to get hesitation. <laughs> yes, of course. I go, um, if you could find a way, and I go the big if, and I don't know if this is possible, if you could find a way to keep Crowder, that's the one guy I wouldn't want to give up because he's got such an unbelievably awesome, ridiculous cheap contract. And I just love how he plays, right? So if you could do Bradley Smart and the Brooklyn number one, I don't know if that's nearly enough, but something like that, um, absolutely. Because why not? I go, why not? You'll get the number two, number three seed at worst. Um, Isaiah Butler and Al Horford with Crowder. I go, you've now got someone who can, as good as any human being on the planet could do, Jimmy Butler can defend LeBron. He can make life difficult for LeBron. So uh, you, uniquely Jimmy Butler, I would say, yes, I pulled the trigger. I'd love to keep Crowder. But even if he said, okay, it becomes Marcus Smart, I don't know if this is a what I don't know, I have to think about what Chicago would want. But two or three of the Smart, Bradley, Crowder, plus the Brooklyn pick, plus probably a future asset as well, is my guess. Like a, I don't know, maybe they're a 19 pick or something. Absolutely, if I'm Boston. What do you think, mate? Wouldn't you, uh, would you go for it now? I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Do, do these teams still believe that the Cavs are too far above them or do they think we're now in touching distance of the Cavs and beating the Cavs Uh, and I think you put Jimmy Butler on that Celtics team that's a much more even conversation right now uh, than what it was so but I sort of get it from Ainge's point of view too why not just take the first pick next year integrate whoever that is into our lineup then we sort it out from there they've still got some assets unbelievably they've still got assets coming from that Nets trade even after this year so because I believe they have the 2018 pick unprotected again from the Nets if I'm Boston I'd draw the line I, I sort of the big question for me is would you include Jalen Brown and would do the Bulls do it without Jalen Brown being included I can't believe I forgot the probably the most critical asset in the conversation. I think the Brooklyn pick is a has to be included in the Butler deal. Oh no. So they go Brown, Bradley in the in the Brooklyn number one, now you're getting not starting to feel expensive. But it's Jimmy Butler in well, his crime. Jalen Brown is off the table is what I've been reading and that's yeah. been a bit of the sticking point uh for me. I mean I guess if I'm the Bulls uh, I think I'm, I'm keeping Jimmy Butler no matter what. I think that's the guy I want to build this team around. Um, obviously, there's always a godfather offering a price for any player, but it would have to be a really, really nice package. And Jalen and the Brooklyn pick, I don't know. How do you say no if the framework is Jalen and the Brooklyn that, pick? That's the framework you're working Jeez. on. That's, that's a very, very nice trade, and that's a good pick-up for them. Do you do that? Then it, but then, flip side of that coin, do you do that if you're the Celtics? Um, I guess it depends. Do you think you're in a position to win it? Because you know, the Celtics are trying to win a championship, as all teams are, but they're closer than all of other teams are. Uh, do you just bite the bullet and say, I mean, don't forget, they nearly traded for Justice Winslow. I think uh, Jimmy Butler's a, a damn sort better player than Justice Winslow. And you reckon? 
Yes. This just in. That's you a heard hot it take. first. There's hashtag hot analysis take. for your idea. better than Winslow. So, <laughs> well, so the I mean, other... He is willing to think, part with that pick. I think that's that's the point there. I, how, if I'm Ainge, now or the offseason, you have to because right, Isaiah Thomas is going to get really, really, really expensive. I think more season under contract and he's going to get $25 million a year, right? Yep. If he keeps playing anywhere near the way he's playing. So I go, why not right now? LeBron with all the mileage, love's been hurt, right? Jimmy may not be available in the summer or in the off season, right? To the extent that he's available now. So I'm, this is the one player I would do it. Now, if you started talking about pivoting to Paul George, who's, I think Paul George is far less likely on the market than Jimmy Butler. I think this is just a little bit of tire kicking coming out of Indiana, just because they're not exactly sure can they package enough assets around it to make um, around him and Turner to make them a competitive team. So I think they're just doing a little bit of due diligence. Like, gosh, do we have to at least conceive a scenario where if we kind of look at ourselves realistically in the mirror and say, no, we don't have enough assets to make us a contender around Paul George, do we have to entertain it? But I don't think he's. I don't think that's anywhere close to a. I think it's just due diligence. So, yeah. I mean, um, I guess so from, the Celtics, yeah. from the Celtics, to so, me, I look at it and say, you get Jimmy Butler, yes, you're a chance this year, but if you hold on to these draft assets, surely you're going to be able to build a team that once LeBron is out of the picture, you're going to be in a position to potentially dominate the Eastern Conference uh, for years to come. So, it, it, it's a tough decision. My sort of feeling would be the stand pat. Uh, Unless I could get him without giving up Jalen uh, Brown, you don't sign Al Horford if that's what you're going to do, mate. I don't, I don't, because then you, know, well, then you might as well sell Isaiah Thomas. If that's what you're going to do, hoard these picks and go young, build it around Smart and and Jalen and um, um, and Jalen Brown's Brooklyn pick, then you know, just sell Isaiah. Why don't you get a bunch of stuff for him? So, and I don't think you sign Al Horford if that's the route they were going. Well, I, I think, think they've they wanted to keep their options open. So I think they've wanted to look at it and say, let's stay competitive, stay in that top four seeds, see what happens with Cleveland. And I think that's, as I say at the start, that's where I think it's going to be. Does Danny Ainge think, if I get this one player, I can beat Cleveland this year? If he does, he pulls the trigger. If he thinks not yet, maybe he holds off uh, until before next year's draft and into next year. Yeah, that's my feeling on, on him as well. He's either going to get someone like Butler or they just stand pat. Yeah, it's, exactly. I don't think he's going to do like a, I don't know. He's not going to shop a Linux for an interior defender, for example. I, I think they've um, Brad Stevens has built such a nice team. They play such professional basketball, right, um, that you just don't mess with it unless you you're going to the doubling down with a star. Yeah, unless you unless you're getting someone that wants someone wants to just get rid of. Uh, and well, apparently they're in the Okafor discussions. I keep hearing. So I, I don't. I don't get amazing. Uh, a team that I don't understand that Achilles at all. Achilles heel is rebounding, and they're going to get uh, one of the worst rebounding centers in the NBA. So I don't really get why the, his name keeps coming up. But you, again, you don't know what the package is. You don't know what the price is uh, on that. Well, I thought if, if it was the Boston pick, but that's a it's a swap this year, right? So actually, Brooklyn gets Boston's pick. So I would say, oh, if it was the Boston, if they had their pick, mm. you know, I'd say, yeah, you know, the 25 or 26 pick. I go, that sounds about, which is a, a damning summation of where Okafor's value is going. Well, apparently Philly you know, is in still one valuing season. him as a top three 
uh, top three assets. So I don't think uh, that that's been the sticking that, point a lot of that's the negotiations. Key. That's not even. That's not. That's Agreed. not obvious. That's, yeah. So another player that's being bandied around and appears imminent that he will be traded is Ricky Rubio. And I, I, I love Ricky Rubio's skill set, and I, but I think he needs to be with the right team. He needs to be with the right coach. You know, a coach that's going to look at him and say, I'm not worried about what you can't. I'm not worried about the fact that you can't shoot or you're not a great shooter. Uh, you don't get to the rim as much as we probably like, things like that. I want to look at what you can do. And this, this guy can run a team from... A, Point, pure point guard point of view um, you know, gets guys in the right spots and knows when to get them involved in games can run an offence uh, so if he falls in the right situation I think he'll be a really nice fit for certain teams but the flip side of that if he goes to the wrong situation the wrong team and I mean the Bucks have been thrown around in, in trade discussions I think that's a terrible fit for Ricky Rubio uh, personally but uh, interested in your thoughts again what what where do you see the best fit and, and the Knicks have kept coming up I love him going to the Knicks I know you said you didn't like him as much for the Knicks you probably more liked him for the Pistons uh, but w- what sort of team do you think would, would be a good fit for Ricky Rubio I didn't say Rubio for the Pistons um, I, I just thought Reggie Jackson was a better fit for New York oh but, okay um, yes that's but, right. uh, but, but your question's um, your question's a good one I think he's going to get moved um Everything you said, I agree with. This is how he plays. He needs to be surrounded by shooters. And I go with teams that have great shooting. That would look for a, gosh, it's the other thing. Could he be a, would he run a second unit? Um, I think of teams perhaps that don't need him, where I think he fits best. So in a vacuum, I think Rubio fits brilliantly on a Golden State or a Houston or a, a Cleveland, running a Cleveland second unit. Right? Imagine him in Cleveland. Oh, um, unbelievable. I'd love it. I don't, they probably don't, I don't know what a deal would look like there, but he needs to be surrounded by shooters. Right? That's perhaps the obvious. And a team, even better, if they play a little more up and down in transition, because you're right, there's, there's something you just want to root for Rubio. There's something almost artistic about the way he plays and passes he makes. Um, so I'd love to see him succeed someplace beyond it's not going to be with a Thibodeau team, right? No. Um, I hate him on the New York Knicks, but that seems to be, I don't know what on earth the Knicks would be thinking, um, getting Rubio. I like him on the Knicks' Knicks point of view. I I think they've got shooters. Yeah, sell me on this. They've got some shooters there that they can use, but to your point, they're not going to play a fast pace. So it's going to be a much slower pace game. Maybe they can change that. It's Carmelo. Iso heavy... ISO heavy, high post stuff with Porzingis. He's an absolute waste when their two greatest offensive forces, you know, kind of need the ball in their hands. So I just think, I go, I go that feels like an awful fit where he's going to be standing around the perimeter. And I go, that's why I think of Reggie Jackson, if they can find a way to do it, you know, whilst Carmelo is, you know, and, and Zinger's drawing doubles and ISOing, I go, you got a score like a, a Jackson. So, um, so back to Rubio, though. You mentioned the Bucks, obviously. I'd have to think really hard about that. If I go, is he an upgrade on Della Vadova? He is, although Delhi, I did some homework, because I know you love to pick on Delhi as much as I like to pick on, on Brandon Ingram. Delhi's shooting 44% from three this year. So he started the season awfully, but he's found his range the last couple of months. So I go, no, Delhi is a you know, $9 million a year player. 
but I go, would Rubio be an upgrade now that Chris Middleton's back? I go, yeah. That's been really fun. So I know we'd sacrifice a bit of the deli toughness in the, in the three-point shooting, but I don't think that's what – that was the, the proposed deal for Milwaukee or allegedly proposed deal as a framework around Delhi. Um, but the Wolves are more interested in Snell. Right. Thibodeau has worked with Snell. They've seen him. He's got he's up to his 40% shooting on the year. And that's one where I go, is there a Snell for Rubio framework? And that's where I start to get pause. Um, where Snell fits so nicely as a 3 and D player, a much more scarce skill set to be honest in the NBA. That's when I'd start to get pause about, is that actually worth it? So I'd actually like him on the Bucks. I think there's a... With with Telly and Middleton back, um, and even you know, sort of say what you will about him, but he's he said some nice nice games this year. With Beasley, who can score in bunches in the second unit, I go, that'd be fun to watch Thon and Beasley and Telly up and Telly and Jet trimming with Rubio running the second unit. I go, that that's fun. That's fun basketball. So I'm I'm warming to it, Daz. I'm actually warming to it. I think they it. could get out and run, but I'd worry about how their half-court sets are going to look because there's, there's, you probably have three yeah. players on the court that can't shoot. Uh, that, that's when the things could break down, whereas I guess from the Knicks' point of view, they're not going to have any running game, but if you could change the way... If, if Rubio was able to change the way that they played um, and, and not be such a black hole with Camelo and things like that, maybe you can distribute the ball around to get some of these good shooters that they've got on the team uh, open looks and then you're, you're opening things up in the half court more so than in the open court but I think from the from the Bucks' point of view no question they're, they're going to be more entertaining to uh, getting out in the open court looking to run looking to play an up-tempo style but if people could slow them down a bit and you're getting that sort of a game uh, that's where things are going to get difficult that's, that's why I'm saying it's a second unit only for Milwaukee There's, he's not well, he then, yeah, be so great Brogdon, fit as a I guess, starter. moves into the start. I mean, Brogdon and Delhi are essentially the same player at this point uh, in terms yeah. of what they're doing. So, and, they know, fit I, much more nicely next to Giannis. I haven't thought about they've got Giannis and Rubio on, this, on the court at the same time. That's uh, you need to have. That's tough. And then you've got two NBA people just get so tough. Even to have two non-shooters out there, the way the game's going. Yeah, now. that's why I say he's he's second unit only. That's why I warm to it. I go if he's fault, he's surrounded this by Jet. Beasley, Toledovich, and whomever stretch. If Thon oh. plays a bit of stretch, stretchy mm-hmm. five, I go. That's a fun athletic, you know, play in six minute spurts in the second and third quarter. Maybe you know, there's some nights where Rubio's got it going. He plays 20 minutes. I go brilliant. I just would hesitate if it's Snell in the package. I'm not sure what the Bucks are going to do with Snell. He's going to be RFA, and so I got to go. What sort of deal is he going to command? Because that's the rumors that Minnesota wants him back. Tibbs loves. Tibbs loves snow, so we'll see. I think I think Rubio's going to go though. I, I I think he'll go somewhere. I think he'll definitely go. I think he'll definitely yep. go. Uh, yep. I, I think another term we just mentioned was the Pistons, uh, and there's been a bit of talk about whether you break up the Pistons, uh, or look at moving on from Drummond, look at moving on from Reggie Jackson. I mean, my personal point of view is, I, let's again we talked about Rubio. Let's concentrate on what guys can do and not worry about what they can't do. And I think. The, the mode of success that they would have thought with this team around uh, Andre Drummond was get Andre Drummond as your big guy and then just surround him with shooters. And they've done the exact opposite. They've got no shooters on the team. The best shooter is Corbell Pope. 
he's shooting around 37% from three. They just have no three-point shooting at all in the team. Uh, so, and he's only 23. So to me, I think you, you, if you're trying to move on from Drummond, you're cutting back way too early. Uh, you, you probably want to more, I think, go down the path and say, let's try and surround this guy with some shooters and actually put the team around who's going to help him succeed uh, and look at him just doing, the, you know, really just be a, a DeAndre Jordan-type player is what they're going to want from him. And maybe people thought his ceiling was going to be higher than that, but it doesn't appear that that's going to be the way. But what would you do? What, what would your thoughts on the Pistons? I mean, would you look at breaking it up? Do you move on from Reggie Jackson? Do you just look at fiddling at the edges and see if you can get some decent shooters in the team? I mean, what, 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 what should their path be? Oh, we probably need a full pod. Because I love Van Van Gundy, right? I think he's a he's one of the few who can pull this off, right? Being kind of the... He's effectively the GM and the coach, right? So he's architecting the team. And so I have faith in SV to do this. Um, I guess that's the billion-dollar question. Can you build a team around Drummond in the, in the space and pace world? It is, it's a little bit depressing that, that Drummond has... He's, he's kind of gone backwards in some ways, hasn't he? Um, his PER is still at 21 to do, but it, you know, down from what it used to be. Um, I think on paper, like Tobias Harris can shoot the three. Reggie Jackson can shoot the three. Marcus Morris can shoot the three. Even John Luer, you know, can shoot the three. They just don't shoot it that well. They're all 32, 33%, right? So I kind of go, it's a, it's a bit disappointing because I sort of felt like that's a really smart construction of a team. There's enough toughness. I like the scoring threat at point with Reggie Jackson and I'm doing his you know, bruising work down with the offensive board and stuff and brilliant pick setter and has got enough pick and roll stuff with Reggie. You know, Tobias and, and Marcus are, are just great sort of three, four shoot enough. So I like the team on paper. And that's why I kind of I kind of grunt and hesitate about cutting bait on Drummond because that would require, I go, that means three years architecting this team, you're now saying we have to blow this up. And do they have... You know, does the franchise have the guts to blow it up and go in a completely different direction? Does Stan want to, you know, effectively pull a media culpa and say, you know what, maybe letting Monroe go and um, building around Rund and Reggie Jackson? Gosh, maybe we shouldn't have done it. So while I think I could conceive of trade scenarios for Drummond, I don't yet think it's sort of code red in Detroit yet to, to blow it up. That's my, that's my gut. No, I agree. I think you, you've got to look at, and, and to your point, maybe some of these guys are just having bad seasons and you, you, you judge the players you thought you were bringing in, maybe they can come. I mean, I always think of Tobias Harris, and he's got a bit of range, but I'm not sure if his range extends out to three, same as Marcus Morris um, and even John Lua. Um, you know, they can hit the occasional three, but I'm not sure you're going to consistently rely on them to do that. So I think there's players out there that they can get. Um, yeah, they're, they're capable but not scary. Yeah. That's right. What's so, it, but what do you think? I mean, do you think, can you build, whether this is the wrong supporting cast, it's all because you know, Drummond still plays at 30, 32 minutes a game. You know, that's 32 minutes of him clogging up the middle. And What's his free throw percentage here, like 40, 40, 44%, something like that? Yeah, 
43.9. So, so. That, that usual even if you get really good. So imagine this team does get good, and you're in that situation where you got hack-a-shack stuff going on and the end-of-game stuff that happens. Like, do you just do you want that? And so I, that's why I think it's a, it's more of a gut check. You know, it's a it's a could be a courageous thing to trade him because he's he's uniquely capable of you know he's kind of DeAndre like in his ability gain possessions and clear rebounds you know he's he's awesome at it yeah what do you think would you build around Drummond or I'll, would you I'll, I'll, and try I'll, to get a better cast or I think you need a better point guard I'm not a Reggie Jackson believer I think he's a score first one of these score first sort of guys not big enough to be a true combo guard another uh, great shooter so he's just to me not the greatest fit with I mean it's easy to say Chris Paul's a great fit because Chris Paul's the best point guard in the NBA, so he's not anywhere. But you need a point guard that's got a little bit of everything, I think, when you're playing with a Andre Drummond. And I think, to me, Reggie Jackson's just a bit too limited uh, in what he can do. But having said that, who else out there that they're able to get? Uh, are they mm-hmm. able to upgrade there through a trade or look at the draft or something like that? That's more the position I'm looking at. Uh, I just don't see the leadership on the floor for this team night hmm. to night. Uh, Interesting, yeah. So I'm still, Drummond's only 23, so I'm not going to cut bait on him. And I think there's go, the NBA will continue to evolve. So while at the moment you look at it and say, you know, Roy Hibbard was an all-star, and now he's pretty much out of the league because of the way the league's gone, uh, that's not the same in two, three years' time. A guy like Andre Drummond is not one of the better players in the game because the game's evolved to a different direction. I'm not quite sure what that would be, but well, if anyone's going to find it out, it'll be Stan Van Gundy. Where, let me put it back on you, where, let's look at the other way, where would Drummond fit? What sort of teams like we've done with Rubio? It's pretty obvious Rubio's surrounded with shooters and, you know, enabling in a transition game. With athletes. So where does, where, did, where does a Drummond fit? Is there a team where he could play 30 minutes a game? I think I think it depends. I mean, it depends if how, how committed the team is the small ball too, and how many minutes you want to get out of the small ball. Um, but I would think he's he's good fit anywhere where really you've got shooters around him, uh, and you can surround him with a point guard that knows how to sort of run an offense essentially. Yeah, so uh, in pick and roll person. offense. Yeah, yeah so like that's so. a your point about Chris Paul. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. what Chris Paul. I mean, look, swap him and DeAndre Jordan. And maybe the Clippers are better with Drummond than with DeAndre Jordan. So that's probably the classic example of a team um, where he'd be a good fit. But I could even see him being a good fit in Houston. I mean, they've got Capella at the moment. He's great on Clint Capella. Clint Capella, not a great free throw shooter either. So mm. I, I think there's teams where he can fit. But again, it's just got to, you, you know, what do you need him to do? Um, and what are you asking him to do? And you, you can't ask him to do things that are outside of his realm. Um, so he's never going to be a, a stretch five, for example. Well, you do what you do what Doc did with DeAndre. Is you know, even though he had that flirtation, the famous flirtation with Dallas, as Doc said, we're going to, you know, this is how we're going to use you. This is how we have to use you. You're going to have to live with it. And he's thrived. So good on DeAndre, having gone through that stuff and getting his head wrapped around trying to be the man in Dallas through to you know what you're going to set great screens and dunk the crap out of the ball and rebound and just be tough, but if we're going to run the ball through the post and you're dreaming. You yeah. take the ball out of and J.J. Redick and 
Jamal Crawford and Chris and Blake's hands are dreaming. So I don't think they build a team around him, but I still think he's. Well, a, that's that's exactly where I'm going. So I, I go. Drummond's not the guy to build it. I you've hit the magic word. But that's where I go. Detroit. I go. It's, it's a complete courageous gut check. But I think unless you find that magical pick and roll point guard to kind of run this thing and you have better shooters. And we can debate whether Mark Morris and Harris was having better or if they're, they're, they are what they are, 33%, you know, three-point shooters. Um, that's where I think I go, man, that, but they don't have that point guard either. So what do they do? Um, I'm almost talking myself into going, maybe they should listen to offers for him. Well, you always listen. It depends what the offers are. Um, but you also, I guess, look at your recruiting and say, so it's twofold. You see what the offers are. If and, and Stan McGundy said this. I'm not hanging up on anyone ringing up about Andre Drummond, but it's going to need to be a really nice deal. So I think you, you listen to any calls, but you also start thinking ahead to the recruiting and the types of players that you want to put around him. And we want to run a real pick-and-roll heavy game. Uh, so that's the type of point guard we want, and we want to surround these guys with either better shooters than what we've got now or see if we can improve uh, the guys that we do have um, already on the roster. So whether Caldwell Pope, I think he's only won his third season, so there may be an improvement there. He's, he looks like he could be a nice 3 and D wing guy going forward. So maybe they're, they're in a bit better position. You just can't be too impatient either um, when you're dealing with, with some of these young guys. Even though this is the, to our point we've discussed a number of times, these one-and-done guys when they're seeing effective, where we look at a guy like Andre Drummond and feel like he's been around for years, and he's only 23. So he, Tim Duncan was a rookie at that age. You know? yeah. So th- that's what I think we've got to just those sort of that, that thinking a little bit when we think, yeah, the guy's been in the NBA for four years now, but he's still only young. Maybe he could... He could call Rob Hennigan and trade Drummond for Evan Fournier and just totally turn them into the the most constipated team in the history of the league, Orlando. So we got well, I was Aaron Gordon and Andre Drummond and Stan just and Alfred Payton. Stan getting the old Magic team back together. You know, trade for Courtney Lee. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. bring bring Jameer Nelson back from Denver and just sort of run it all out again. And Drummond's playing the the Dwight Howard role. Uh, so. The, the things I wanted to talk about now, because we were sort of running a bit short on time, but I wanted to hit five or, four or five really quick ones at you, the trade rumours that were coming up. I've got Woj here, Woj's Twitter feeds here. There's no trades happened while we've been speaking. But the first one I wanted to throw at you, I read Darren Williams going back to Utah. Uh, should we even care about that rumour? Nope. What's the next one? We'll move on. I hate a Darren Williams. <laughs> Sad it is unbelievable. I, I how just he can just whatever. Yeah. Come on, you don't do it. Don't. There's no romance, Utah. It's not a thing. Romance isn't a thing in the NBA. It's just not cool. Don't. Could he just come off the bench it. and have some relevant moments, or would we? Is he is he that far down? That far I gone? Said, I said no, Daz. <laughs> no means no. <laughs> well, Andrew Bogan, another Dallas player. He's apparently on the ah. block. Now, what is Andrew Bogut's uh-huh. value? Could he head back to the Bucks? Could there be a reunion I, there? I love Bogut, right? Um, he is a right, an Aussie, got the right attitude, team guy, loves to play defense, loves to get on the other team's nerves. So you love having Bogut on your team. 
so who needs some who needs some toughness and some muscle? Like, oh, he fit well in Golden State, <laughs> no, right? Yeah. So like him and Zaza, I think, you know, that's a brilliant one too. Um, he has to move. I, I agree. They have to get rid of him. Give him a chance to play some playoff um, basketball. Well, um, I don't know. If it's Golden State. They don't have their they don't have their pick. They don't have their first rounder, do they? They've no. sent it off somewhere. That I think it's going to. I be think Golden State were more hoping he'd be bought out and maybe pick him up off waivers or something like that. But yeah, uh, that was probably more their hope. So. I haven't even really heard what teams are interested, just that, that Dallas are talking to potential suitors. But I would think Bogut, given how good a passer he is as well, he doesn't need the ball a lot. Great defender, really tough guy. What about a little bit out of the box? What if he were the defensive second unit in Boston? They've got the, you know, the Linux kind of play the five off the bench, but he sort of feels like a boy, him and Crowder and Marcus Smart. And, and Horford and Isaiah, I go, there's, you're just adding toughness with toughness. So I kind of go, is he worth their first? He's certainly not worth the, you know, not anywhere near the Brooklyn pick, but if they're second rounder, I don't know, someone on the bench who I can't think of. I kind of love him in Boston, but a great, um, great fit for him. Um, well, he Indi- certainly helps their rebounding. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see him go to the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I go in the East. I'm sort of thinking, because everyone in the West, Clippers, Houston, you know, they don't need him. The Spurs, do the Spurs still have their first rounder? Would they trade that for a bogut? They don't think one-year rentals for old men, do they? Well, I mean, like, let's, let's look at the Wizards. Would it have been a better... Would you have preferred to see Grunfeld first-round pick plus... Um, plus a South Nicholson for Bogut. Well, there'd have to have been other assets involved because Bogut's not worth, a, he's not worth a mid a 20th pick. He's not, um, or whatever that pick will be. So um, there'd have to be other assets going back to Dallas, or sorry, going back to um, Washington in that one. And I don't know, does Dallas have any assets? Yogi Pharrell? <laughs> Pharrell and Bogut for... Nicholson the first. Now, now you've got my attention. Yeah. Well. So yeah. So these theoretical impossible trades I like better than the one that effing Grunfeld did. <laughs> Idiot. I'll just yeah Idiot. more more for a fit I suppose. Uh, for yeah. What they need. Um, and there. What... So my my fantasy is Bogut on Bogut on the Celtics. Um, that's my fantasy. I have no idea if that can be reality, but that's I think that's a great fit. I want Twelve, to see you know, him fifteen minutes a game. I did before we got Roy Hibbert and Spencer Hawes and, <laughs> and Jay Smith and Don Whittier and whatever, the small army of centers we already have. And before Jabari's injury, I would have been with you. I was on board with flipping, you know, even like a Henson, give Dallas a young guy who's got a bit of offensive game, can play a little bit of defense, sort of like a henson Bogut thing where we can just get some toughness and a little bit of future cap flexibility. I like that. But now with Jabari gone, I don't. I don't want the Bucks to really do anything besides sell Michael Beasley. Yeah. No. Well, the next one I wanted to touch on was the LeBron James playmaker. Let's see if we can get LeBron a playmaker. And I guess the points to this. One, what do they need in terms of when he says it? It's easy to say a playmaker. I mean, Chris Ball's a playmaker, but you're not going to get that level of playmaker. So then you look at 
do they need and what can they actually get? And I think they only probably need a guy that can play 10, 15 minutes a night. That's all they got out of Mo Williams and, and Delhi when he was playing last year. Uh, so, I mean, for all the talk that they're missing Delhi, they forget Delhi got benched in the finals for Mo Williams. So let's not oversell, oversell missing him too much. But w- what do they need, as I say, and what can they get? And that's why I threw a guy out there that's not even playing at the moment in Aaron Brooks. And I just think, why not just pick up a guy like that? He can, get, he can play 10 minutes a game. Um, I think Aaron Brooks is another one of them players that I've probably seen him play his best games in the NBA. So well, I'm a little bit irrational about him. But I think surely he could be some value if, if just a guy that can handle the ball for 10 minutes a night and give you a break. Um, I thought about Aaron Brooks. Is he still unemployed? Where is Brooks playing? No, he's playing at uh, Indiana. That's what I thought. He's not unemployed. Yeah. I thought you said he was a free agent. No, um, he's just not playing. Sorry, he's not, not in the rotation. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I go, what about a team? So, I could see Brooks or a team who's clogged in the backcourt like Denver. Go get a, a Jameer Nelson. You know? He's tough. He can still ball. Um, if you hear, I listened to J.J. Reddick on the, on the ringer the other day. He still raves about about Jameer and just, just the way he plays the game right. Um, well, Darren Collison was a, another guy that was, was mentioned in the end. Yeah, that'd be a, a, a little more. To, to Jimmy. Well, also a little more athletic, I guess, as well, which perhaps, in, you know, Jameer's got the veteran toughness and he won't be afraid of any moment. So you could imagine Jameer actually getting 15, 15 minutes a game, you know, in game six, you know, in the, in the semis or something. So you can see Jameer suffer injuries or something, playing at where Collison, yikes, you know, which you could trust him in, you know, in game sixes. But he does have, obviously, a little more upside and more athleticism. So I like both of those. I think we'll continue doing stuff. I'd have to talk myself into Darren Williams again. I go, you know, <laughs> Dallas is looking to sell. I don't know what the Cleveland would sell him, but... Well, then I think yeah, those, 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 are, those are kind of my those are my top three, I guess. Yeah, you and could probably um, Aaron Brooks. You could fetch for nothing, and you just throw him in there. He's not playing at the moment. You probably pick him up for a second round or a throw in um, if you need it. Even their trade exception, something like that, um, and just throw him into. Well, just go even Collison and Nelson's probably at the price they're not willing to pay right at the moment. Well, I'm thinking my um, I'm thinking chemistry experiment. Rajon Rondo. Oh, that's a, that will be. I mean, look, he's probably available. Uh, but <laughs> I just wanted that to sit. That was the conversation killer, wasn't it? Just imagine Rajon Rondo on your team. And I can't imagine Rajon. Oh. Rondo is just like I couldn't imagine him having another relevant moment in the NBA. I, I just wanted to make. I just wanted to see LeBron punch somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see LeBron get really mad. Um, yeah, look, and there's guys that go, shit, they could probably, Phoenix would love to unload Brandon Knight, so I kind of go, could you, on the, you know, 2 p.m. before the deadline, if Cleveland hasn't got something, if Phoenix can go, hey, take this contract, right? But I bet Brandon can still play a little bit. I don't know what's happened to him, if he's just lost his confidence or what, but I go, that might be my utopia for Cleveland. Actually, a young player with some upside who can shoot the three, Yes, it cost a fortune, but who cares? They're in luxury tax range anyway. Phoenix just wants to, you know, free up some cap space. Yeah, um, that might be my utopia for them. 
Well, and again, you don't need a guy that's going to do a lot. So if you can get a guy that can do what you're expecting him to do or maybe even give you a bit more, um, that's, I that's just, where you... I just think Brant Knight's it. confidence is so low, right? Because he, he'd be so freaked out by the moment. That's why I kind of I think maybe he's, his game fit brilliantly. And I could see Phoenix just wanting to unload him for a future second or something. I don't know how he'd make the salaries match. Yeah. It's a different conversation, but... Um, and that's the thing the about, I like about Brooks. He's not lacking in confidence. I think he always thinks he's the best player on the court when he steps out there. So I don't think that's going to be the issue. I just think they need a more of a facilitator than a, Brooks is a you know a bit of a shooter. So even uh, now that I'm thinking about Phoenix, God, I love the Brazilian blur, Leandro Barbosa. Yeah. Right? I'd love, I'd love how he plays. Um, he's again, he's a bit stuck. He's cheap, but he can still, he's still quick. And he can he can run. Again, I can see him playing. Again, I think game six is in the where I go. If I'm LeBron, we're taking on a playmaker. I want someone who's got the, the you know the toughness, the mental toughness to play. You know, a meaningful stretches in the second the second period, and you know, in, in huge games. That's like a Brooks. And I'll call us and uh, don't know. It's all about does LeBron trust you, and can you are you big enough for the moment? So that's why I kind of think Darren, Darren Williams would actually be okay. Um, maybe Leandro, now I keep talking about it, he might be the sort of best combination of mental toughness and, and game play and, and price. Yeah, I just wonder if Leandro, he's getting on a bit long in the tooth now, so I'm not sure uh, how much he's got left in the tank. But again, they don't need a lot. He's healthy, much, so, yeah, yeah, but you've, he's healthy. I've, I've seen him a bit, and he's all right. Yeah. So that's a great question. I think... I think we can agree they will do something, right? They're not... Well, the, they're not... They want to do something, but... What, what president of the basketball do, operations. Yeah. yeah. It's... Uh, and so the last thing I wanted to talk... Just maybe throw out some names. Any players that you've sort of thought... I mean, I know PJ Tucker was a name that's been thrown out there, and that, that's sort of my prediction. I, I don't think we're going to see another big trade. I think we're going to see these little trades, like Elias Sova, Bogdanovich, PJ Tucker will probably get moved somewhere. You know, you're hoping Okafor gets moved. But I don't think there's going to be any more big superstars that are going to change the NBA landscape like Boogie Cousins did. Um, I don't think Barker's changed the landscape, but it's certainly a much bigger trade. Well, if I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm going to do maybe not players. Well, I'm going to go, I look at the playoff teams who still have their first-round picks, right? And I go, San Antonio's got theirs, and I think we both agree they're just not the type of franchise to sell off their pick, albeit the 29th or 30th, no. 28 or 29. They're not going to sell their pick, are they, Dads? No. For a, a one-year no rental? Change. No. no then you go all the way back at the next team who still has it is Utah. I go similarly. I don't see them going a bit all in to get a vet at this point. You know, for the whatever twenty-two well, number twenty-three pick. Favors. They're talking about maybe they'll trading favors and see what they. Can that's what I mean. There, but that's what I'm saying. They're not selling their first-round picks. No, no, they're, players, players. Right? they're yeah. not selling their picks. Yeah. Now I start getting into the space. Kind of go Toronto. They still got the number whatever it be number twenty, number twenty-one pick. And they've got they've got surge, but I go, would they trade their number one and could that help them get a piece that pushes them even you know, even closer to being a genuine threat? So I kinda go, who what sort of what does Toronto need? You know, more offense off the bench probably. But the team I'm probably most interested in seeing what happens of all of them who haven't done anything yet, it's not Chicago and Indiana. Okay, see. You know what? Okay, he's thinking, right? Mm. Is uh, you know, they're. Do they think they can make a playoff run? 
or do they have they have they resigned themselves to uh, you know a first round exit? And are they willing to you know um, to trade their fairly attractive pick? You know, be sort of some eighteen, nineteen, sort of in that range. You know, to help them to give Russ a weapon. What do you think about OKC? Have you? I think Russ is all the weapons he needs. <laughs> he's he's, a, he's, he's the arsenal. He's a Swiss army knife of his own making. Yeah, uh, 81% heard, usage rate. Yeah. I've, I've heard OKC are really aggressive, but it's just it's hard watching them to say, well, what what do they need? Um, and I guess that you'd have to ask Westbrook, <laughs> what are you after in terms of um, the top players? Because they've got... Robeson, who can't shoot, but he's a really oh, it's a big. Defender. That's it. I go. I think that's the answer to the question: is how do you upgrade that off-ball spot, the Robertson Roberson? Because if Robeson can shoot threes, man, I'd love his game uh, because he's as good an on-ball defender as I've seen. Yeah, that. but it's called it's called three and D, not just. That's D, right. He's just right? a, he's yeah. a, a, a he's just D. D. It'd yeah, brick and D. Although he did about four big threes against the Spurs in last year's playoffs. Uh, not that I'm bitter about it or anything like that, but he's, he is blind, shooting 24 percent from downtown. Yeah, no, he's just and, and he's lost all confidence. Doesn't even want to shoot when he's open. So, and I don't think Morrow's sort of hasn't worked out. I mean, I've always felt that the perfect player for them would have been Danny Green because there's a guy that can play defense. I don't think he's at the level of Robeson is defensively, but he can shoot the three. So that's the type of player they need. But gee, they're hard to come by. Um, See, what I'd like to do is I go when I look at Mike Young, I go, why not a Tony Snell? Is Tony Snell worth the 21st pick in the draft? He's about where he was drafted. He's shooting 40%. Well, it depends where they He's, see themselves at. The buck of the OKC. OKC. Yeah. Well, I, just think, I think it was how do we upgrade the Robertson spot and get a Tony Snell who would be a clear upgrade. I wouldn't be giving pick. away draft assets for anyone if I'm OKC because you, you, to me you're only giving That's away the draft big question. assets yeah. to say we want to push ourselves either up in the playoff discussion if you're that way inclined as a franchise or into the championship discussion. Um, and that's to your point earlier, why are you giving away trade a, a really nice trade asset Washington for Bogdanovich who probably doesn't, well, almost certainly doesn't push you into that conversation. Um, and I think the same for OKC. They're more than one player away from challenging can, the Warriors. Well, I'm not talking Warriors. Like, can, they, can they win the first round series? Can they beat San Antonio? No. No, I'd be well. Put it well. When Spurs played them last time, they were plus six with Westbrook on the floor, and they were minus twenty-one with Westbrook off the floor. <laughs> so That's, maybe they just knew you made me, point you made me snort. Like I knew that number was coming, and still made me snort. <laughs> and he only sat for like ten Jesus minutes. Jesus Christ! He played, he played yeah. nearly forty minutes. So uh, they you know what? They're a train wreck outside of. I think Westbrook. my best idea. I think uh, Ernie Grenfell should get that pick back. Trade Bogdanovich to OKC. So <laughs> well, much of fire. He's a better fit fire Grenfell and trade it tomorrow. Yeah, He's a better fit than OKC. But I'm not sure of OKC course he's a better fit than OKC for F bleeping F and C. <laughs> Grenfell. So I do agree. I think OKC, let's see where they're at, what, you know, what their thinking is. Uh, but are the assets out there that they are, are want to be looking at? I'm not sure. Um, and I don't think they'll be your first round draft pick for a Tony Snell um, yeah, yeah. or whoever else might be available in that sort of range. But, I mean, they are 
they're rarer than you think when you look around the league and you go, I want a genuine 3 and D guy. There's not that many, there's not as many around as you might think. I mean, obviously, Thompson is the number one. And uh, Jimmy Butler, is he, you know, even Jimmy Butler is shooting, not, to me, you've got to be shooting that sort of high 30% range into the 40s. And obviously, Butler brings a lot more to the table than just 3 and D as well. But Yeah, I think the 3 and D is reserved for if you're a superstar like Clay or Jimmy, you're just called a star. But so I think 3 and D is like your role player, your Robertson, who he plays off a high usage guy like Westbrook, or he's your, he's the bench guy. He's the, um, yeah. So the, well, I think the guy is a more goal plated, you know, the creme de la creme of yeah, fair, players. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, whereas Jimmy Butler probably doesn't fit that 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 realm. Danny Green's, as I've mentioned, probably another guy that I really like. Uh, Damari Carroll was that player for about five seconds in Atlanta, and he's sort of fallen <laughs> away. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's a Jay Crowder. There's a guy that's been a 3-and-D guy um, for the Celtics this year. He can rebound, though, as well. He's, he can rebound he, as well. Yeah, um, he can. So, you know, they bring some, they bring some other, other things to the table. But as I said, you, when you go through the league, there's not actually that many around. So it's not as yeah. easy as saying that, OK, see, they've needed a 3-and-D guy really since they Which is the why I, against I, Miami, I and they've never got it. I don't mean to make it Buck-centric, but that's why I go, like, guys like Bogdanovich is getting traded. Not that he plays defense, but that's why I go Snell. Suddenly, right, if there's a team who says, um, we got his rights, it'll be RFA, and we're willing, we've got some perhaps some cap space for it. We know part of this to come by. The draft is full of 19-year-old players that aren't going to really be anything for three or four years. I think Tony Snell's only 24 himself. They sort of start to go, that's actually, he's probably worth about a mid-first a mid first round draft pick. So... Yeah, he's shooting forty percent too. So he's shooting forty percent from three. So I'm telling you, got the guy can play, and Tibbs wants him back. So I still think that's a likely pick. But your question was other. So I was kind of giving teams who I think need to make moves. I, I think Oakley's. I don't know what AC's going to do. To be honest, I just think I'm. I'm most interested of all the teams who still have their their first round picks next year. What they're going to do with it. Um, and the other players, I guess, what we have, Brooke Lopez. Do you think he'll get moved? I well, I I think they're shopping him. There's no doubt. But again, it's one of those. Where's his fit? Who's willing to give up a first round pick? Which that's the only reason the Nets are going to do that trade. Who's willing to give up a first round pick to get Brook Lopez? And I just don't see players out there for Brook Lopez. It's not the. And, and I think he's a nice player, but I think he's probably in the mould of the Ennis Candors, and he's probably a bit better than that. But he really is an offensive first player, not a great defender. Um, so, and and a guy that, to the, what we were talking about with Drummond before, can you see him playing 30 minutes a night for a contender? And I'll, I'm not sure I can. So, where's the market for? Brooklyn? I agree. I think he's not a contender. I think that's it. So I sort of go, is he worth Dallas's number one? Dallas's first rounder. Dirk wants to come back and play. He doesn't want to be surrounded by children. You know, they got they got Barnes who can play. I go, oh, that might be interesting, an interesting combo for the next couple of years. Dirk, Dirk Barnes and Brook. I'm not saying it's going to push him into the sixth spot in the in the West, but it's more about surrounding Dirk. Um, it's like you know having having a a dying someone who's on that bed. You just want to make things comfortable. He's just the so Brook Lopez. It might be the Novocaine you know, for for Dirk <laughs> the last couple of years. Just to numb him, give him some, some runs. So it's that sort of team who 
needs an asset. He's young enough. He can play. I think, you know, developing a three-point shot this year in the free ball, you know, experiment that's um, that's Brooklyn, the, the Brooklyn style of ball, has only made him actually more attractive. Mm. So, but I'm with you. He's not. He doesn't fit on a contender. Oh, maybe the Spurs. He'd upgrade on Pau Gasol for the Spurs, but they're not going to be giving up. Um, Paul Gasol. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't think Brooklyn would take no. that first round pick. It's basically a second round pick, given they're going to have the second best record. You'd imagine in the NBA. You know who's, you know who's dumb enough to go after Brook Lopez for their number one? It's Michael Jordan. See, put up a Zeller and Kaminsky and. No, no, I wouldn't think so. No, okay. I thought you were going to say the Kings. Let's not start talking about the Kings again. Let's not. No, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm done. I just more I think about them. I'm getting bad. They've entered the what Bill Simmons calls the Tyson zone now because any story you read, you just there'd be nothing that would surprise you anymore if you read it about the Kings. Yeah, well, they they fucking bit my ear off when they gave all those picks to Sam Hinkie, Costa Kufo. Oh, so I don't know what. Yeah, unbelievable. So, all right, Darren, we might leave it there. We'll talk again Monday. We'll we'll know that. Hopefully we'll be talking about a couple more blockbuster trades, but as I said, my sort of prediction is uh, that, that we're going to get a couple of trades just around fiddling around the edges of some of those contending teams, a lot we've already seen, but th- th- we may have a couple more trades to break down on Monday, and then we'll start more seriously talking about um, some of the teams heading for draft picks and obviously the teams heading to the playoffs as the season's end. Good stuff, Daz. Let's right. see what happens. Thanks, mate. Talk soon. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye.